This morning we have two readings about money and its place in our lives. Talking about money is always a bit tricky, especially in more affluent communities. If you're like me, you were raised with the notion that in polite society, we don't talk about our money. Yet Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic in the Gospels because he knew how much power money has in our lives, how money defines our social status, impacts even our physical health, and most importantly, how money can impact our relationship with God and each other. Every year, Chapman University does a survey of the top American fears. So they survey people across the country about what their fears are. And for 2018, the number four fear of all people who were surveyed was not having enough money for the future. I worry about this for the church all the time. Uh, which has something to do with the letter from the wardens that's uh, in your bulletin, and you'll be hearing a little bit more uh, about that. Do you know what the number one fear was? So keep in mind, this fear is across the full spectrum of our country, politically and etc. The number one fear in this country in 2018 was corrupt government officials. Across parties, right? That's about power and money. Five of the top ten fears of Americans in 2018 were all related to climate change. And the number ten fear of Americans in 2018 was high medical bills. 1 Timothy says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's important that we hear this phrase correctly. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money itself is not evil. We need money. It is the love of money that causes problems. Elsewhere in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and wealth. I like to add, but you can serve God with wealth. It is a question of where your heart is. What is first in your life? Money or God? The message of 1 Timothy and of the gospel passage is that when money is first, we have put our faith in something that is temporal 
and uncertain. And in the words of 1 Timothy, we end up missing out on the life that is really life. These passages do seem clear that the spiritual challenges of money is greater the more of it you have. The impact of love of money is not just individual, but social. We see this in the growing disparity between rich and poor. We see it in the homelessness crisis in San Francisco and here in Marin as well. You don't have to go far to run into Lazarus. And I have to say that from time to time, a Lazarus-like figure has shown up at St. John's. And it has been beautiful to see how welcoming this community has been in receiving a Lazarus-like figure as one of us. As one of us. And we are doing more and more at St. John's in our outreach to go out and be in relationship with the Lazaruses in our area. We always have to ask ourselves how the love of money in our society is creating Lazarus in the first place. That has to do with issues of poverty and social injustice and all sorts of other issues where money, the love of money, can misguide us. My wife Amy was recently speaking with someone who works for a pharmaceutical company. That company had developed a chemotherapy drug that could be administered at a chemotherapy center in well under an hour instead of the three or four or five hours that it normally takes. But the doctors and administrators who run the chemotherapy cancer treatment centers wouldn't buy the drug because they make more money having their chemotherapy chairs filled all day long than they would by patients who could come in and be there for 40 minutes. So this drug was shelved because of the love of money over the service of patients. What is your own relationship with money? If I am honest... It is probably the most complicated relationship I have in my life. Last week at the 9 a.m. service, we had the story about you cannot serve God and wealth. And it reminded me of an experience I had when I was in high school. My mother had given me, I believe it was a $20 bill, that I was supposed to give to my brother when I saw him at something that evening. She gave it to me in the morning. And after school, my best friend JB and I went to the mall just to hang out. 
And it turned out that during the day, JB's watch had stopped working. And so uh, he asked if I had, he didn't have any money. He asked if I had any money he could borrow so that he could get a new battery and get his watch fixed at the mall. And I said, I don't, the only money I have is this 20 that I'm, my mom gave me to give to my brother. And uh, a little while later, we were in a record store. And I saw an album that I'd been looking for for a long time. And I pulled out that 20 and bought that album. Months later, I'm talking to JB. And he told me how hurt he was by that experience. How I could not help him with his watch. But I could use money that wasn't even mine to get something that I wanted for myself. And that experience has really stuck with me, especially because about six months later, uh, JB died in a drunk driving accident in college, uh, which made it all the more kind of poignant for me that... uh, Actually, one of the last real, you know, deep conversations we had as friends was that conversation. And it's made me think a lot about the choices that uh, I have made. For me, the spiritual challenge of money is confusing wants and needs. And even though money can feel tight for us with a mortgage and college tuition, the reality is that we do have enough money that I'm able to confuse my wants with my needs. A former vestry member here at St. John's likes to say that for him, church is all about increasing our capacity for generosity. I love that. Church is all about increasing our capacity for generosity. St. John's does not have a lot of diversity. But the diversity that we do have is economic and generational. And those are both tremendous gifts. Some of the most generous financial support we get in terms of percentage of income is from parishioners who have the least to give. And we also have incredible generous support from parishioners with more means who are committed to serving God with their wealth. The bell tower, this chancel are examples of that. Of course, increasing our capacity for generosity isn't only about money. It is generosity of heart, generosity with our time and with our attention. I spent this weekend with a very dear friend and clergy colleague who was uh, visiting. He's a Dodgers fan. He came up for the game. Didn't go so well for me. And he was telling me that he's become very concerned 
as he thinks about the world and the church, he's very concerned about a global economic, political, and environmental crisis in the next 10 to 20 years. And he said that he believes that the currency of the future will not be money. It will be relationships. That will be the currency of the future. In the gospel story today, the rich man does not even acknowledge Lazarus until he wants something from him. And by then, it's too late. Consider the gifts and perspective Lazarus had to offer in a relationship. Those were lost because he was excluded. He was kept on the outside instead of being seen as one of us. God is calling us to move from a place of fear about money, resources, and relationships to a place of love about those things. Generosity is an expression of gratitude for God's abundant love and mercy and blessing. Do good. Be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, so you may take hold of the life that really is life.